Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Surviving Sister Wives contains adult content that may not be suitable for Latter-day Saints or sinners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to Surviving Sister Wives, the podcast where a monogamous couple drink heavily while recapping Sister Wives on TLC. I'm Corey. And I'm Carly. And this is Season 14, Episode 10. A breaking point. Every family's gotta have one. TLC gets us in the mood for this one here with just as Robin's family has adjusted to Flagstaff, they learn that the owner is selling their rental house and they have 60 days to leave. Robin and Cody fight in front of the kids over it, and Aurora has a full-on panic attack, perhaps her worst ever. Dun dun dun. Oh, oh dear. Really trying to make this interesting for an episode where we had to primarily watch Cody and Robin. Yeah, that was a rough one. Did you have a quick summary for this one? Oh, we, we didn't even get to yours. We gotta hear your description, though. The Browns get another eviction notice. Robin confuses God with a genie. Cody vents to the kids about their impending homelessness, and Aurora takes one for the team to end the family argument. Yeah, Cody's like, all right, kids, make sure you save up all the pieces of cardboard that you can because you're going to need it to write a, <laughs> write a nice sad story on there. So then that way people can throw you some loose oh, change in no. downtown Flagstaff. I thought you were going to say they were going to build a house out of all the, the leftover moving boxes. No, they're homeless now. Can we just address the fact that it is absolutely ridiculous for them to think that they would in any way be homeless when they have three other options for where four, if you count uh, Mary's B&B in Parowan, that they could possibly live in an emergency situation. We always know that's top of mind for Mary as backup plans, <laughs> escape plans. That's why Mary purchased that property. Mm-hmm. She needed an escape route. The safety net. <laughs> you got to have it. It's, your, it's the golden parachute. It's her underground railroad. It works. Oh, Lord have mercy. All right. Overall thoughts about the episode. Um... You know, I I watched it a couple times, and, oh, man, it was nice to see Cody and Robin fighting. 
It really was. It <laughs> that really was, was refreshing. Oh, that was. It recharged my batteries going into the 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 later half of this season. I feel good about it. I feel like we I feel like we landed right where we needed to at this point in the season. I you know what after all the episodes where they really shat on Mary and Christine, it was nice to see an episode where Robin was kind of portrayed as the as the bad guy. Although I would argue that maybe they still want us to think Cody is the bad guy, but Robin is completely unrealistic about this situation. Fair enough. Yeah. And it was disturbing how she was using, well, they were both using God, but really how they were trying to use God as a uh, a way to justify their position in the fight. Right. As some would tend to do <laughs> within religious sects. Sects. We're gonna, no, I did like- We're going to learn about religious sects yeah. next episode. Oh, that's, that's Christine's episode. We're still waiting for that one. The kitchen sex episode. All right, so jumping in, we start off with Cody has decided, fuck this house. It's Mm. not ours anymore. So he's walking around there with shoes on. He's just messing the floors up, making it dirty. He's going to punch a few holes in the wall, maybe, like Christine did (laughs) in Janelle's rental. He'll recruit Christine to come over to kick a few holes in the walls. Here's the moving bike. (laughs) Get to stepping. I took issue with this as well, because he claims that his shoes are clean. Yeah, you guys, yeah, you know clean. these shoes have been walking all over Coyote Pass. They're just, they're covered in germs. We need to get the plague tracker going because we need to be on alert. So, yeah, I mean, count it up. What's on the tracker so far? Memory, significant memory loss, heightened aggression. I mean, what else do we have? I get. we'll see what's next. I mean, we do have, Aurora has... Anxiety attacks, yeah. An, well, Tremors? some type of attack, so... Tremors. We don't know. They, they have not taken her to a doctor yet at this point. So They could have Kevin Bacon tremors on the Coyote Pass property. There could be actual tremors in the ground ready to spring out and just looking for any sort of activity on, on the ground to, to eat whatever's on the surface. You got to be careful out there. Next, Robin starts talking about how she planned to stay in this rental until they had their homes built on Coyote Pass. And then she mentions that they're thinking it's probably going to be about two years away. Yeah, they probably should have put that in the contract then. If they were trying to stay that long, then their lease term should have been a little bit longer. So that means they're not going to be on Coyote Pass until sometime in 2021. Hmm. If there's still a show, I can't wait to see it. So this brought me to another question. The same question everyone's been asking since the end of last season. Why were they in such a rush to move? Remember how Cody defended the move? Because they had kids graduating from high school. Mm -hmm. If I'm getting this right, Aurora is graduating this year, 2020. Gabe apparently has already graduated, according to Janelle on Twitter. He graduated early. Okay. And Gwendolyn is also going to be done with school. So why did they not just stay in Vegas? That's three of them. And then I think they have a year break. Yeah, I think they were looking at it as timing it out perfectly. Uh, with the timeline that they had in mind of selling the houses instantaneously in Vegas, as well <laughs> as building in Flagstaff on record record times. Yeah. Construction level unseen by man before. <laughs> it's never been done, but they were going to do it on Coyote Pass. For such a big house, this kitchen sucks. You know, it's really not that great. Yeah, it's... And we've we've seen it before in action to during family gatherings. Not great. I don't like it. Felt the need to bring it up. 
It's a little made me claustrophobic. Very closed off. Very closed in. It did not look like a kitchen for a house that is as big as that house is. Yeah. So. I don't think Robin's spending too much time in it. (laughs) Probably true. So today is the day they're going to tell the kids that the rental is up for sale. And they're afraid they're not going to handle it so well. Yeah, just as they're getting settled in, it's time to pack up, guys. We gotta we gotta head back out. So sit down, let's let's talk about it in detail here. And in this initial conversation, this is basically them not even dropping the bomb that they have to move yet. This is them tentatively explaining to the kids, hey, the person who owns this house that we're renting has put it on the market. We don't know if it's gonna sell soon or not, but if it does sell, we gotta get out of here pretty quick. You know what else is probably making this so much worse? Their frame of reference for how long it takes a home to sell mm-hmm. at this point is like six plus months. Right. Based on what happened in Vegas. Yeah. And also... They have to be thinking they have forever. Right. And or then Robin at least does. And then their fear as well is that it takes us as a family 11 to 12 months to move <laughs> from one house to another. So that's not going to be enough time to get into a new place. There's no way. Well... Don't worry, because God is going to provide the new rental for them and speed things up. We're reminded by Robin that Dayton is going to college at ASU, the local, the local university. Casually slipped that into conversation that it's he is local in Flagstaff. That had nothing to do with why they moved in the first place. Nah. Let's just move along. Scoot, scoot, scoot. So Robin breaks the news to the kids and the girls' faces... Say everything you need to know. Stunned. Everybody's stunned. Nobody's happy about this. This is all bad news. Robin decides to bring up how much she misses the house in Vegas, but she's not allowed to miss that because that doesn't exist anymore. Dead to them. Yep. She's finally had the realization that, you know, it was really nice. Vegas, guys. Vegas. My old house was really nice. Mm -hmm. It was nice. To put your shit somewhere and not have to move it. It was close proximity to my sister wives. Wow. Huh. Huh. That was convenient. That was kind of the perfect situation. Looking back on it. Now that you think about it. Now that you mention it. Hmm. But moving on. Cody can't even handle that because every night he is putting his face in a pillow and screaming bad words. He's very angry. Cody didn't ask for this, guys. And to his defense... He didn't ask for this. He didn't. This comes He forci- with- He forcibly declared it on everyone. This is what we're going to do. <laughs> he didn't ask for it. This is what comes with the territory when you rent. Welcome to our world. We are pro movers. We have moved many a time. We've actually been settled for longer than, what, we're going on three years now? Yeah, two and a half years. Yeah. This is the longest I've stayed in one location in most of my adult life. So we know the strife of the Brown family. Mm-hmm. Aurora is having flashbacks from the last move, and she does not want to do it again. No. And Brianna now realizes that this means that they're not only going to have to just move this time, they're going to have to move from this house to the new house that they're renting or buying, whatever. Whatever. And then eventually they're going to have to leave that house again to move out to the quote unquote big houses Eh. on Coyote Pass. If they don't get movers. Uh -uh. So help me. So help me. Uh -uh. Uh -uh. I can't handle it. These poor children, they've been subjected to putting their things in boxes over and over again. Let's not do that again. So the other trick here is that Robin's looking for 
at minimum six bedrooms for a rental. It's a lot to pack up, but it's also a lot to ask for from the Flagstaff rental real estate market because that's really not even, that's not even possible. Um, a six bedroom house just generally is unusual. Yeah. But that's what Robin's going for. So this introduces the the conflict of the episode because Cody is all about purchasing at this point, primarily because Robin's search criteria is limiting their rental abilities to non-existent levels. They don't have an option between renting or buying because there's nothing available that suits their needs to rent. So that's what kind of introduces this as the as the catalyst for the entire argument that takes place later this episode. Mm-hmm. And Cody thinks it's funny to jab at that. So he knows that Robin is demanding six bedrooms. So he makes a joke to the kids about how, you know, you know, what if you have to share a room? Why don't you share a room with Dayton? The girls share a room with Dayton and time to double up. You know what? Maybe take Ari, Ariella in there. You know, she's in our room all the time. Why don't you share a room with her? Yeah, but I like how but, Brianna points out. She's like, yeah, but you guys are the parents. You and You chose this. You chose to do this. Do you remember that? So we're you remember kids. choosing to move to Flagstaff? I don't know if you guys realize, but I'm a kid. Do you remember choosing to co-sleep? And I'm not, I'm not prepared for any of this. <laughs> I can't make these decisions for you guys. I'm, I don't know if you know that. I'm 15 years old. I can't sign a lease. <laughs> I also like how Cody positioned it as a joke, even though you know it was like a half joke, because he was really hoping that maybe some of the kids would be like, yeah, that's fine. I'll share a room with oh, so-and-so. God, please. Yeah, let one of these kids volunteer for this. Not going to happen, dude. Come on. So then we find out that the primary diet that the Browns have been sustaining on has been shit sandwiches because Cody keeps talking about taking a big old bite out of this crap sandwich of a situation that they have. Yeah, so we learn that the kids say that they're happier in Flagstaff than they were in Vegas, or at least Robin's kids say that they're happier in Flagstaff. Um, and that relieves Cody since, like you said, they've been doing nothing but eating crap sandwiches. Mm, taking a big old bite of that crap sandwich. But the the good news is, again, general consensus, yeah, most people feel like it's nice being in Flagstaff. A lot of people still feel very unsettled, though, which, gee, I wonder why. Heads up, we might have to move again because they're selling the house that we're renting in. Yeah, it doesn't make you feel real comfortable when you move in someplace and you think, let's just break down the cardboard boxes but keep in in the garage yeah don't throw them out yet we're probably gonna use them again so let's someone's gonna use them again in this family so let's let's just keep those but the good news is god has a plan and he's gonna help robin and cody and the family find their next place and it's gonna be better than this one that they were in god's got a plan right because robin thinks that when god takes something away from you he gives you something better he's giving you upgrades that's what it is it's a trade-in you know you're getting to the end. He's got a pull-ahead deal on this house, okay? You're getting close to your mileage limit, and I'm going to go ahead and just, I'll take that right back from you, throw you into something a little bit nicer. It's going it's to be a little bit more per month, maybe. Yeah. A little bit more. You know what? We're going to upgrade you to a Jag. Yeah. It's time. It's your time, Robin. I'm going to slip you in, all right? I'll let you in on, it's a, I'll give a family friends discount, okay? Cody laughs at Robin on the couch because she's talking about how if they wait and basically run down the clock on becoming homeless, that God is going to provide that rental. At the last At second. the last, even at the last second. 
And she is not going to cave on buying because she doesn't think that God would delay them with moving on to Coyote Pass. These Guys, these are the things that keep God awake at night. God asked Robin for just a little bit more time. That's what he asked her for was, no. hey, give me, ah, I just need a little bit more time to whip up this rental for you. That's going to be, it's going to be perfect. Though. No, God is unavailable because he currently has whiplash because Robin put a house on her vision board and now she wants a rental. God is on do not disturb mode right now. He has silenced his phone <laughs> and he is screening that call. New phone. Who dis? <laughs> Robin who? Uh-uh. Robin is the only person in the Brown family that he hears from routinely. Constantly. Constantly. S- endlessly. Ceaselessly. <laughs> now, Brianna asks a very important question. She brings up the Biggie Housie. And she asks Hoodie, you know, like, what happened with that? What happened with the Biggie Housie? Because we only spent an entire major holiday talking about it, Dad. What's the deal? Yeah, and it's just, like, gone silent. Apparently... He never informed everyone else that the Biggie Housie was dead. It's been like six months. They didn't have clearly like a ceremonial moment where they tossed the blueprints into a, a fire. <laughs> no, because they've been so fragmented. Them. That's right. right. And now, That's they're right. Lo- now they're losing Robin's ha- Robin and Cody's house. It's the gathering house, too. Yeah. Forget all of the uh, the family updates and announcements. That's that's not going to be happening so anymore. He takes this as an opportunity to immediately throw people under the bus. First, he oh, tells oh, her. Oh, wait. You want to know about the Biggie Housie? You, yeah, you asking he, me about the... This oh, gets him very yeah. excited. He's already hyped up. He perked up like a dog who like hears the leash coming out, you know, where it's like, oh, you, 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 is it walk time? Wait, you're interested yeah. in that? Yeah, outside? Yeah. So the he treat? sees his opening get a and he tells Brianna that, well, you know, the moms didn't want to do it. Don't blame me. But what do you... The moms suck. But what do you? But what do you think? What do you think about it? What do you think? Just, As if again, a fifteen-year-old's going to make just floating a it. big life decision. Just floating the idea for the what's, whole family. What's that look like? And you know, she was into the house. She thought it would be cool. It'd be cool because I wouldn't have to pay for it or build it or plan it or, or worry about if you know or clean it if Cody dies and someone has to inherit it. Yeah, there's a lot of things as a fifteen-year-old you don't worry where, too much about where it would be cool, but not really practical, I guess. And then Cody throws Christine under the bus because mm. he makes sure to point out after he already said the moms didn't want to do it, that, you know, it was it was primarily Christine. Yeah, Christine was really against it. So if you want to maybe like mm. talk to Christine about it, put in a good word for Biggie Housie. Maybe run it by her. You know. Have someone to blame. That's who you're looking for. And for our listeners who may not be in on the joke, it's I know it's been... Yeah, thinking back point. now, it's been a few we, episodes. We have a lot of new listeners, and um, we haven't really talked too much about the origin of Biggie Housie since one it of was, our earlier episodes. Since it was all we talked about for about six episodes in a <laughs> row. So we had to come up with different ways to talk about it, guys. So background on Biggie Housie. We are 100% in favor protesting, picketing TLC until they give us Larissa of Larissa Colty. And Colty of 90 Day fame in the Biggie Housie mm-hmm. as Cody's fifth wife. Because she would just be, Larissa would just be upgrading from Colty to Cody. And it honestly would have been the best move for her because she already would have been in Vegas. They could have just packed her up and took her right to Flagstaff with them. She would have loved the Biggie Housie. Super easy. Oh, she would love it. It's beautiful. She would be the queen, though. She would have yeah. to be the queen. Her and Mary. Mm. 
Well, that's why they, they need have it out. separate autonomy. That's what they need. It would be great for, for ratings. decorations, for yeah, for everything. No slot machines. No, but since that would be a little crazy, um, obviously that's there's probably zero percent, less than zero percent chance of that actually happening, though. Even though we're all in favor hey, for we're it, we're still trying for it. But still, we can push. We can dream. Now back on the couch, we hear the kids' opinions. Now these kids, we have a collection of Janelle and Christine's kids. And they do not sound like they didn't like the Biggie Housie, as we were led to believe. Mm. In fact, Truly, who is very much in favor of the Biggie Housie, says that they're loco in the cocoa. Loco in the cocoa. They're loco in the cocoa because they could have all lived in one big mansion together. Yeah. Why not just one big mansion? That's what we could all have. So I'm sure that'll come up again next season when nobody wants to hear about it anymore. No! All right, a gender reveal that nobody cares about. Everyone's gathering at Christine's house for Maddie's gender reveal. Again, a gender reveal, which all of America already knows about. The baby's already been born, you guys. So Cody looks at Robin on the couch. This was so disturbing in front of all the other wives as they're talking about, you know, speculating about the gender of Maddie's baby. And he says to Robin... What would you think we were having if we had another baby? Ugh. First of all, none of us want to think about that. No. And none of your other wives want to think about it either. Nope. That's like... Not a question for the cameras. No. No. And she says, a boy. Yeah, I like how Robin goes into this whole in-depth description about how she knows her babies before they're born. Like, their spirits come to her on a journey and introduce themselves and she gets to know them before they actually are born into this physical world. She says it has nothing to do with faith. It's just a feeling. Yeah, you know, that was interesting to me. There are a lot of people who who are more spiritual and believe in more of things around the psychic realm. And that is actually something that is thought to exist with certain types of special babies. Like... Indigo babies, I think is what they call them. And it's like they come to visit you before they're born. And like you have a spiritual connection with their soul. So I found that odd that Robin seemed to know about that. Yeah, and that she's been right about so many kids. Right. Robin knows everything, guys. Robin knows she's going to write a New York Times bestseller. She knows that she's going to join a polygamous family. She knows that God's going to provide a new rental for her that's bigger and better And she knows all her kids' personalities before they're born. And now she knows she's going to have a boy if they have another baby. Yeah. (laughs) So Mariah tells Mary that gender is a social construct. Which is true. Sex is different than gender. It's true. I know. It was just like, all right, Mariah. But she woke. Just pick. She woke. Pick. Is it a boy or a girl? (laughs) That's all we asked you. Pink or blue? (laughs) Where were you with all these thoughts and opinions and questions when your mom was... Dating a catfish. Right. Yeah, we needed to be more inquisitive back then. So Cody picks up, uh, he wore a blue shirt, but he picks up a pink ribbon because he, he's sure now that it's it's a girl. He's convinced himself it's a girl. Pretty much everybody else in the family has cast their vote as well. We've gone around the room, seen different people picking up the uh, the ribbons to put on. Mary didn't have one on, though. I, I think she was just trying to not poke a hole in any of her LuLaRoe tops. Right. Can't do that. Got to sell these later. Right. Need to keep them pristine for Mm. Instagram photos. Right. Right. Yeah. So she she also doesn't pick one because, you know, 
no one really cares what Mary's opinion is. So <laughs> why pick a side? So right before we get to the reveal, Christine drops the bomb that she already knows the sex of a baby. She's known it the whole damn time, guys. Because she went to visit a week after Janelle found out the sex of the baby. And Caleb told Christine while she was there. Yeah, you know, they made Janelle fight for an answer on it. Like, they they made her beg, pretty much. And then Christine shows up, and Caleb's just like, real casually, Hey, so you want to know if the baby's a boy or a girl? You want to know? So she says yes, which also irritates Cody again, that someone else knew something that he didn't. Because Caleb is his favorite son, and he didn't (laughs) come to him with the secret. So he's wounded. So somehow Christine managed to keep it a secret the whole time. She didn't even tell Janelle that she knew. And Janelle doesn't seem that irritated about it. I think she just more so would have liked to have known that she knew also, probably so that they could talk about it together. Right. Again, Cody complains about the fact that he never knows any secrets first. Wham, wham, wham. I wonder why. Boo-hoo. And we release confetti and surprise. It's a girl. And just the last thing I want to add here in this section before we we move on is that Cody was right. No, that was not what I was going to say, oh, but no? but yes, Cody <laughs> was right. He won the quote-unquote bet. There's no bet. That wasn't a bet. Cody would be real excited at a baby shower. Mm. You know? Choosing due dates, birth weights, he would get all into it. Oh boy. So everyone's concerned that Maddie is out in North Carolina alone with a toddler and now soon also a baby. Caleb works a lot. He's basically, it seems like, never home. Um, he's not there to help or rely on, really. And Cody wishes they were closer. So who knows? Maybe we'll see another move in a few seasons to North Carolina. He's just trying to show them plots of land near Coyote Pass or on Coyote Pass and just saying, hey, why don't you just come on, come on down. Yeah, he's got some extra woods if they want to live out there. Come on down to the family farm. They could probably put a house... On lot, what is it, lot three up by the road? Sure. One to the right of property and one to the left in the woods. Yeah. There you go. They're homesteading now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Robin comes to Mary's rental now. It's been it's been three weeks since the battle at Coyote Pass. Good good reminder. It's been three weeks now. It took everyone else 48 hours to calm down, but it has taken Mary three weeks. (laughs) So Robin comes to make peace. Well, she comes to make peace, but also to lounge on Mary's Titanic draw me like one of your French girls couch. (laughs) Yeah, it looks really uncomfortable. 
This is like she's just going to slide right off of it, too. Right? Doesn't it look like the cushions just slide off of the leather? I don't know if anyone has any experience with a couch that's partially leather, partially fabric, but the cushions never stay on. Mm. Yeah, I was half expecting them to be just sealed up in plastic, too, like an old Italian grandmother. <laughs> you just roll. You just, First, you stick to you them. You might as well put them in plastic. It would be a lot easier to move. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I really hope that that furniture stays in that house and does not belong to Mary. So then Mary kicks off the conversation that a few years ago, she was in a really dark place, you guys. And she is now out of that symbolic dark place and into a very literal dark place. She is enveloped in darkness. But it is so bright in this living room while we're talking about it. Because if we're still upset about the trees thing, I don't understand. what Like the light that's coming in those windows is blowing them out. The cameras can't even handle... What's going on? Now we get a made-for-TV apology between Mary and Robin. Because they're just sitting on the couch telling each other how sorry they are. Well, first off, they're dishing a little bit. Where they're kind of getting the story straight, trying to align with what happened. What took place? Where was the miscommunication? Where was the misunderstanding? I'll give you two hints. It was Cody. (laughs) And it was Cody. Because he told them both the exact same thing. Everybody else has already chosen their lots. This one over here, that's got your name on it. That one's yours, okay? He told Mary that, and he told Robin that. And he pointed to the exact same plot of land. Guys, again, the memory loss. Cody literally had the exact same conversation with both of them, and then did not remember having told them the exact same thing. And they, Robin it's chalks It's setting it, in. Plague is setting in. And Robin chalks it up to a polygamy thing, you know, you can't expect everybody. You can't expect the man to keep all these conversations straight. Okay, there's a lot going on. But what they have agreed to is the fact that it was totally out of character for Robin to storm off in the way that she did. That's true. And that they were not mad at each other. They were just frustrated at the situation, and you know, mad at Cody as they thought about it more. Mad at Cody mostly, yeah, <laughs> primarily around that. My, so my favorite part of this conversation is that Robin starts by reminding us how she and Mary were close, always. Remember? Ex- except for this one time. Oh, this one time. It's like, oh, you mean the time that she was secretly talking to somebody online behind her husband's back and didn't want anyone else in the family to know? Yeah, that one time. That one time. I think that was the time. So I hope that was the time she was talking about. <laughs> I don't know, with all this prairie dog plague memory loss that's going around, maybe they forgot about the catfish incident entirely now. That would be the best thing that could ever happen to Mary. Just Just, clean slate. Yep. Just like men in black in there. Yeah. Um, One thing I wanted to point out, Robin's roots are in full display in this scene. She is going, guys, she is going white. Ooh. It's getting heavy up in the front there. Robin is so stressed out about moving that she has Marie Antoinette syndrome. Is that what's going on? That's what's going on. It's overnight, and that's just what's... what's She's just going to wake up tomorrow totally white. Mm, 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 mm. So much stress. It goes quick, you guys. Something to watch out for. Like Judge Judy says, beauty fades, but stupid is forever. <laughs> so I remember um, that. We also, yeah, so I have in my notes, Cody actually started the fire. <laughs> <laughs> it was all Cody's fault, guys. So then they're talking about how, as a, as a plural wife, Somebody has to pick last. It's, you know, you don't always get your needs met and Mm -hmm. it's, it's hard. Yeah. Robin reminds us that there's this thing called math and, you know, there are four of them. So when there's four of you, somebody has to pick last. 
I still think that my system was pretty good. Where oh, if they would have, let's, let's we build everyone in on this because this was good. I feel like this could have been this could have solved a lot of the issues because basically, if you take a vote between the four wives, where they mark down their top rated lot that they would most prefer, and then also bottom rank, here's the one or ones that I would not like. If you have them all write those out individually, and then you seal them, and then Cody looks through them as the neutral judge amongst all the deciding factors, and he can narrow down which ones that would mean. So by having everyone pick simultaneously, no one's first, no one's last, and you're sorting it all out at the same time. Right. Based on, I don't know, maybe there's not even a conflict for certain plots, and maybe there are for others. Yeah. And if that's the case, then you default to pick number two. What's your backup? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, guys. Just just saying. saying. (laughs) I'm just saying. I'm not looking to pursue the polygamy life. I'm just saying I'd be pretty good at it. Because we're making decisions. We're working together. And that's how that's how we're going about it. So Robin brings it all home that it, it wasn't about the land. It's about their relationship, you guys. And she just wants to make sure that they're good. Mary confirms they're on the same page. And she reminds us, too, hey, if I wanted out, I wouldn't be here in Flagstaff. Mary has options. Well, she has an option. And it's called Parawan. It's the Mayor B&B. <laughs> she is ready to run off there anytime that she needs to. So Robin reiterates the point as well. She doesn't even want to be in this family without Mary. So let's let's keep that in mind. So right. it's good that they cleared the air. She told Mary that if, you know, Mary's ever to think about leaving, don't do it because I can't be in this family without you. Because two versus two is better for her than two versus one. Mary, if you ever leave the family, take me with you. I don't want to be outnumbered. I can't do it. I can't (laughs) stay here. I need someone to take care of me, and you're the only other person who could. Now, there was a terrible cut in this conversation, because now we see Mary and Robin sit down on the couch. Like, Robin, did you catch that? Like, Robin had just gotten there. She just walked in the door, and they both sit down on the couch at the same time. Mm -hmm. And now we're listening to them talk about Robin talks about the fact that house hunting has been really stressful and that she and Cody are arguing a lot. So again, really, they've already established this situation at the beginning of the conversation. This is really the start of the conversation where Robin and Cody are not getting along. She's being pushy with him because he's being pushy with her. So they're both mad at Cody so they could be friends again. The best way to bring people together is to share a common enemy. And Cody is the common enemy right now. He's the common denominator, common enemy all the time in all the relationships. And Mary's making a good call here because she has decided she's not getting in the middle of this decision about buying or renting because she's already found a rental and it ain't her problem. You. Mary's got that locked in. Turns out when you're not looking for six bedrooms, it's a lot easier to find a rental in Flagstaff. Found one. Done. Done. Robin has yet another phonetic struggle here that I wasn't prepared to deal with, but I'll try and address it with you here. Sometimes in marriage, you have to figure out what heel you're willing to die on. I couldn't with that one. So we have- It was so so strong. It wasn't even like, like dill. Some of these other ones- So here's the thing is they they go with dill, they go with rill, but instead (laughs) of hill, they go with heel. heel. How? How did we get here, you guys? But 
Why? That is literally the one sound that your mouth should naturally make. You. How did you end up on heel? Your default sound. I don't know. So that was a whole other issue. And that and we'll just leave it at that. So now we've reached the point in the episode where they did the soft sell to the kids. Cody and Robin brought up the fact that, hey, the people who own this house, they're putting it on the market. It probably won't sell too soon. Uh, but, but alas, hey, it's time for another <laughs> D-Day is here. It's time for another family meeting because it, we done sold. <laughs> so it just sold. And. Uh, no rush, but we have 60 days to get the fuck out of here. And we have no idea where we're going. So there's that. So needless to say, we've already established it's very difficult to find a rental in Flagstaff. The kids make the same faces they made the first time. But with a little bit more worry. A little more more concern. It's very real now. The quickly approaching deadline to becoming homeless is seeming real scary to them at this point. Real scary. Real scary. (laughs) (laughs) So they hardly have any time to find a rental. Cody is all in, 100% going to buy a house, you guys. He is all about it. At this point, it's almost a miracle if they find a house to buy and close on it in time. Correct. Yeah, contingency. (laughs) But Robin is ready for a miracle. She's been begging for one. She's holding out, you guys. She thinks there's still plenty of time to find a rental here. Cody has to remind her. It's not a matter of want and love. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. I know you are. I'm trying not to laugh. Oh, no. Don't ruin it. Don't spoil it. That's okay that Biggie Housey didn't work out because it led me to you, love. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Whenever anybody calls somebody love, that's immediately what I think of. I think of you on Netflix. If you haven't watched it, go watch it. It's good, you guys. <laughs> I'm a rebel viewer, though. I jumped right into season two, started right from there. Still great. You have a habit of that, don't you? Just skip the earlier seasons and jump in when it's good. You want to be seen. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) moving on. Please. So then this was a whole back and forth between Cody and Robin, where it's it's not a matter of wanting love. But then Robin had to point out, God is not limited by the rules of this earth, Cody Brown. When you ask for what you want, God automatically gives it to you. It's you may, coming. You may have to wait a little while, but he always follows through. He answers every prayer. Cody tries to hold in his laughter and explain, I'm not saying he can't do that. I'm just saying he's telling us something else because the market is... Non-existent. It, it's a steel trap and it's closed <laughs> and we're not getting in. But then Robin, well, he's not telling me that. So now Cody is frustrated with the amount of faith that Robin is putting into finding a rental at this point. Because God is not a magic genie in the sky. But that is how he's being utilized today. Look, look, Robin has a lamp. She rubbed it. She gets three wishes. And this is her first. (laughs) So wait a minute. She found it at the lunchroom place in the attic where they met up. A couple of episodes Back at ago. Josephine's. Back at Josephine's. In the attic when it's they were having there. lunch. She rubbed it out. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. You know, the genie popped out. He did a dance. He sang a song. And now she's just got to wait. Oh. A house is just going to appear in the desert like a mirage. <laughs> like manna from heaven. <laughs> I made it for you, love. Oh, God. 
So Robin's whole point is that she doesn't want to buy a house and set the family back financially and set them back from moving to Coyote Pass on the timeline here as well. So Cody's whole decision here is that the message from God is to buy because there is no other option available. So I feel like Robin holds this. She doesn't really, we've established that she doesn't really contribute financially the way that the other wives do. So I feel. Except for the fact that her house is one of the only ones that have sold at this point. True. But in this case, if, if they would have to buy a house. Right. That would tremendously set them back financially then because yes, literally it's a big financial burden. It's a big jump. So I feel like. Well, especially when you buy a house that's, you know, nearly a million dollars. Way out of the range. I like that they point out the fact that, you know, Christine's like, well, I can't really say much because I bought a house. I thought it was the right thing to do. Christine spent about half of what Robin and Cody ultimately spend on the house that they end up in. And not only that, she spent less than what her house in Vegas sold for. So she took a step down. Right. That's math, guys. That's math. That's economics. That's microeconomics right there. What's not math is $900,000 versus $600,000. It's different. A little discrepancy there. So I feel like there is a little layer. In the red. I feel like there is a little layer of guilt in there with the financial. She doesn't want to be a burden on the family more than she already is on a regular basis. But does the lady doth protest too much? <sighs> well, they're protesting in front of the kids, that's for sure. It's a, it's an <laughs> official fight in front of the kids now. Because, yeah, exactly that. They know this, this is going to set them back from moving out to the property. Aurora is super bummed about that because she was really hoping to, to live in this final home, this forever home, before she graduated. And now that outlook is not looking too good. It's bleak. Is not going to happen. It is rough. A lot of the other wives are actually chiming in here on the confessional on the couch. They're okay with Robin buying a bigger house because they still need a place to gather. So that is why it needs to set them back financially. And they're okay with that because they still need to get together. They still need to operate as a cohesive unit during this time. It seems like everyone at this point is on the same page except for Robin. Yeah. Everybody else is in support. Robin is holding out now on her to her conviction for rentals. Right. Robin is creating her own problems at this point. Yeah. And like you said, it's cage match Mm. going on now in the living room in front of the kids who are not handling it well. Because then Cody starts to devolve in the way that he communicates. Again, this was this started off as family announcement. So this was communicating to the kids, hey, the house sold. We need to be out in 60 days. And we're still working on what that actually means. If we're going to buy, if we're going to rent. But no pressure. You might want to. Like, start taking your shit that you don't use on a regular basis. Put in some but like, boxes. But, like, we got to get moving. Yeah, we're going to yeah. be packing up, but, like, we'll keep you posted. That's that's basically what the conversation could have been. And ended out on that note of here's what the decision that we've made, or here's the situation that we've been presented by this external force, because we didn't decide to do this. Uh, unfortunately, we're just kind of dealing with the circumstances. However, Cody starts to get pissed that he has to explain this to more family members now, because he's been fighting with Robin about it so much, he starts speaking in a way that's more abrasive and confrontational. So his voice is raised. Yep, it's getting very intense. He's talking when he's explaining how, no, like it's a really bad decision to rent. There are no options. There's none of this. The only choice we have is to buy. So he's getting kind of, you know... With building he's, on the rhetoric. And he's trying to talk the kids into taking his side. 
as Robin sits there and continues to protest and claim that God is going to be this amazing force in their lives and just produce a rental for them and that they don't need to worry about it, that he'll come in in the last hour. So Aurora is getting visibly uncomfortable during during the start of this. She's glancing over at Robin. She, you know, while Cody is kind of going, She's pointing out these different... She's just waiting for somebody to make her feel like things are a little bit safe in this conversation yeah. because... There is nothing that is figured out at this point. Abandon all hope, ye who enter here. Yep, and things are getting more and more tense between Robin and Cody in front of the kids. Right. Which is making them all pretty visibly uncomfortable, but Aurora in particular. So Cody brings up the fact how it it would be so great to buy, uh, because again, it would just be an income property in the future for the family, that would be right. great. Again, why are we talking to children about the family's money problems or or plans for the future about income properties? Exactly. Not a conversation for kids to be involved in. Well, first of all, too, it's not an investment property if you mortgage the property. Right. It's So that's just straight out the gate. It's not going to be... Lesson number one in investing in real estate. Numero uno. If, you, if it's not paid off in full, it's not making you money. So there's your first strike. Yeah, second strike, though, you should have cleared the room after announcing that, yes, you need to move. You need to be out in 60 days. That is all the kids needed to know. That's it. That's all the information right. that they needed Don't to Don't worry about it. Mom and dad are taking care We're of taking everything care else. Of we'll keep you posted on, you know, which boxes you need to pack. I'll get you a Sharpie so you can label them. Here's your packing tape. I hope you <laughs> left it in the same spot you left it before. And off you go. So Robin's getting upset about the investment portfolio talk. Um, Yes, we know that Robin does not like it when Cody speaks like a banker. Yeah. When he dresses like the Monopoly man and he comes in and he's using all these different words and mortgages and property and investment. Too much for Robin to handle. No. She feels that his main focus right now should be getting the family out of their rentals and onto their property. That should be his primary focus, and that's the issue that she has. Remember when we spent months talking about the Biggie Housie and Cody was trying to get everyone to agree to that so that they could start building and get out on the land? I seem to recall that. It rings a bell. But he's not doing anything to get them out on the land. No, 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 no. So so Robin is fully invested in looking for a rental at this point. And so she's already established five bedrooms is unacceptable. We need six. Cody mentions that he's never even seen a six-bedroom house on the market to rent, so he doesn't understand how that will even be possible since it's never even had. Robin throws her head back. Something's going to come up. That's it. That's what you got to bank on. Robin's just praying a lot. Throwing some prayers out there. Robin believes that God will provide a rental. There's no way God would sit there and have us buy a home that doesn't make sense. Sometime, okay, this is this is my problem with this whole conversation. Yeah. If you're going to claim to be a religious person, uh-huh. right? Part of accepting that there's this force over your life is that good things happen, bad things happen. Sometimes you go through challenging times and that that's supposed to test your faith. You don't always get what you want, Robin. God doesn't always swoop in and provide you with a miracle at the last second doesn't answer everyone's prayers. Unfortunately, that's the reality of the world. And that's not the world that Robin's living in. No. She put it on her vision board. Mm -hmm. And the universe is going to answer. It's happening. 
all coming to fruition. So this is where TLC kind of cut this line a little sneaky during the previews throughout the week for this episode, where Cody says, I'll dissolve the partnership on agreement and go buy a house without her, where they had cut out those two little words, on agreement. So during the trailers and everything, he was just saying, I'll dissolve the partnership and go buy a house without her. So it was making it sound like he would divorce her and go buy a house. Right, that's what they were implying. It was what they were kind of setting the scenario for, but in all actuality, he was just saying, well, I'll just overrule her. And even though she disagrees with buying as the right, correct financial choice for this situation, that's what I'm going to go do. Yeah, so it was a lot less exciting than we thought it was, guys. Right. Yeah, it's a bummer. Uh, we'll have to wait for future future episodes, future seasons, for him to threaten divorce Robin again. Only a matter of time. <laughs> so they're still debating and debating and debating. And at this point in the conversation, as this is all heating up, Aurora starts to twitch a little bit. So there's some sort of like tremory, like convulsion type body movement that's taking place. She's starting to shake a little bit. So at this point, we have an aside with Robin where she's talking about if Cody goes and buys, the damage this will have on our family culture will be irreparable, which we all know now since it is almost a year later and we've already seen the documents for the home. They do go buy. They're they're going to buy a house. Conspiracy theory, though, I still say the lady doth protest too much and that she doesn't want to look like the bad guy. So she is fighting this tooth and nail, but in the end, she's going to agree to buy a house, especially when she sees that $900,000 giant home on the market that she and Cody ultimately buy. This is what Cody's explaining to the kids. This is why they've been so stressed lately. They've been back and forth, just debating and debating, tossing and turning over this. And at this point, Robin asks if Aurora's okay, to which she right. she's trying to clarify, oh, because of all of this or because I'm twitching? And then Robin's like, well, because you're you're twitching, like you're, we can We're see starting to see that something's going on with you. So are you OK? So this is they begin to explain that this is a sign that this usually means that a panic attack is coming. It's triggered by stress. Aurora is super stressed out when Cody and Robin aren't totally harmonious and lovey. Mm-hmm. That was concerning, just right. given the fact that Robin's been divorced previously it makes me wonder what she may have witnessed as a child There's that she, yeah. yeah, that she feels so uncomfortable when she's sensing any bit of um, rockiness between them right. that she's starting to go from, you know, zero to 100 that she's worried right away that this is going to be the end of their marriage. So this is a high stress situation. This is a full on panic attack. She kind of gets hit with it here out of nowhere, it just kind of kicks in. Robin begins hugging her and crying on her because that's Robin's response to pretty much everything. <laughs> um, but it, I don't see how that would be helpful. No. So I'm going to speak on this. And the only reason I feel comfortable talking about this part of the episode extensively is because I am clinically diagnosed with anxiety and panic disorder. And I see a therapist regularly for those very reasons. So... I have experienced panic attacks myself and am empathetic to that particular situation. Right. And like we were saying, too, when we were watching the episode, everybody handles it differently. Everybody experiences panic and 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 anxiety anxiety in different ways. Right. I know just from my for myself that stress and anxiety has manifested in different ways during different times in my life. 
So I don't think it's really fair to compare panic attacks apples to apples. But based on my experience, the number one thing that I do not want during a panic attack is for anyone to be in my face or hanging on me. And that's because you already feel like you can't breathe. So the last thing I want is anybody in my face area or leaning on me in any way that's making me feel like there's more heaviness or like my lung capacity is any less than it already is. <laughs> so squeezing up on you and sobbing in your face. Yeah, it's it's not going right. to help. Another thing that annoyed me <laughs> was, you know, someone telling you that it's going to be OK and that everything is fine and not to worry is not helpful when you're in the middle of a panic attack. Because mm-hmm. your brain has already decided that the situation is not okay. Right. Like, your body is full of, ad- of adrenaline right now. And there's nothing rational about the situation anymore at this point. So you're pretty much going through it. You have to ride it out once it's started. So just a lot of things that happen in this scene that made me uncomfortable. The parental response as well kind of threw me for a loop too because then robin's response was she's in the middle of the attack now we need to get her out of this room so then cody comes over and scoops her up so carries her up to her room like a well like a baby they claim that like when she's having an anxiety attack or a panic attack that she feels like she can't walk or she can't walk so that's why he had to pick her up but I'm wondering if part of the reason why there was this urgency to get her out of the room was because maybe they felt like the cameras were making it worse. You know, have it's really embarrassing to have a panic attack, especially to have one in front of people that you aren't very comfortable around. So maybe that's why she was trying to get her out of there. I just hope it's not the typical response. Right. I don't because that was my concern. That was unhealthy if that was the way that they deal with that on a regular basis because the main takeaway here is that aurora perceived the stress and the the discord between the parents which sent her into an anxiety attack but then that immediately sets cody and robin up to then take caretaker roles so then they are back on that harmonious right they're not fighting each other anymore because now they're brought together to try to help her so that's not that's not a healthy learning for her. Correct. That when she has an anxiety or a panic attack, that the response is going to be that her parents are going to dote over her and that they're not going to fight with each other anymore. Right. Because then that was also brought as a red flag and brought attention when she mentioned she has panic attacks four to five times a week. Yeah, guys. That's severe. That's a severe panic disorder. If she's really having panic attacks that regularly, and I know they said that they're bringing her to a doctor, but she needs to be in therapy. Holy shit. Yeah, that's, that probably, is a lot. Probably multiple times a week until those panic attacks start to subside. And possibly, you know, medication of some kind to possibly, alleviate. Yeah, not that that's the answer to everything, but... But if you're having that many... Right. This is not something that just comes on from being a little bit stressed about having to move. Right. This is something that's more deep-seated in her, and there's something going on there. Because Robin points out that, I mean, she is, you know, your your classic case for it as well, for high anxiety, where you're type A 
personality, hard yep. worker, overachiever type. Yep. She explained my personality, especially <laughs> as a teenager, for to, like exactly the way it, it was. Overachiever, you know, constantly getting good grades, expects a lot of themselves. Um, so all of those things are are concerning and definitely sounds like she's she's suffering from some possible mental health issues that they need to work through. And again, I don't want anybody to say anything mean about her. I know. And, well, yeah, I don't want to either. Yeah. And, I, and I don't want people to feel like we're picking on her. Or, no. Or, you know, it's just from an analysis standpoint, it was things that we noticed, which obviously yeah. there's tons of people that live yeah. with and deal with anxiety and and it's not talked about enough it's not talked about and that's actually something that robin had to defend on twitter this week was people were saying you know how could you exploit your daughter's panic attacks for television ratings and she said that aurora had the choice of sharing that footage or not and speaking about it and she chose to and you know that's that's a really brave thing to do if that is the case right exactly because especially as a teenager it's a big deal it's hard to experience those types of things which are very it's scary it's embarrassing it's embarrassing it's scary it's it's hard to deal with especially you know not knowing when it's going to happen to you there's a lot of things that aren't in your control when you're a teenager Mm -hmm. (laughs) that are just situations that you kind of get stuck in and you have to deal with and I just hope that she's able to work through that, especially before she goes to college, since that's something that she mentioned, um, because it's going to be really difficult to to get through school if you're having panic attacks four to five times a week. And that's just that's just reality. That's a fact. Yeah. Yeah. It affects your whole life. So then Cody's mentioning how this is probably the worst it's ever been, you know, one of the worst ones that she's ever had. And they're seeing they're getting help for it and everything. And. So hopefully, hopefully they do have all the support that they need from from that standpoint, from a medical and psychological standpoint. I just did think it was shocking, too, when Cody referred to how we're not in control of the stress in our lives. Yeah. But I thought that that was a pretty cheap out where he's basically alleviating himself from any blame of, you know, stress is just something that happens to you in your life. And it's like, well, dude, there's a lot of ways you could go about a lot of the scenarios that you find yourself in. That could be handled with significantly less stress. Right. How about don't fight in front of your kids? That's a big one. If you know that it's going to stress them out. Right. Uh, When you've already dropped a bomb on them of a stressful situation and then proceed to give them more of an uh, assumption that you guys have no idea what you're doing and things are not going to be okay. Right. Don't put your shit on your kids. Don't put it on your kids. Yeah. Don't put your shit sandwich on your kids. Don't serve your kids your shit sandwich. There it is. That's it. I think that's the moral of the episode, you guys. (laughs) I think we got... It took us a while to get there, but we got there. (laughs) Next week, the sister wives visit Mariah and Audrey in Chicago. Ah. And make some poor decisions centered around pizza. Yes. We can say that. I mean, we lived in Chicago for seven years. Almost a decade. Yeah, we spent we spent the, we spent a good bit of time in Chicago. Yeah, so we can't wait for this episode because we are going to have a lot to say, and we have very strong opinions about things like deep dish pizza and tourists. We'll give you guys we'll give you guys the lowdown next week. It's going to be a Chicago deep dive, mm-hmm. deep dish deep dive. <laughs> Let me tell you, the episode is technically about being gay and religious, 
So it's a little odd. It feels almost like a standalone episode rather than something that fits into the rest of the season. But we'll, we'll kind of see how they tie it together. Yeah, it's like a special. Yeah, I know they typically special. have an episode where they they try to have an episode where they take a trip. So it seems like this is the one. But so, yeah, Gino's busted ass pizza. That's yeah. what we're going to talk about. But Gino's East. Because I can already tell. We already know. We could tell by the wall. You can tell. Just the one shot. You can tell when they're in a Geno's because there's, yeah, the, the writing's all over the walls. <laughs> they're going to spend $45 on a pizza, guys. It's bad. It's real bad. Stay on the lookout. We're working on developing, putting together kind of a brief survey that's going to help us to make the show better. Right. So as we're winding down season 14 here, we're working on an audience survey. It's going to have you help us make the podcast even better. And inform us of what you guys want to hear more about once this season of Sister Wives comes to a conclusion. So stay tuned for details in the coming weeks on how to send us your feedback. Thank you for listening. If you want to support us, the best way to do that is by subscribing to the podcast and leaving a review on iTunes. You can listen to new episodes every Sunday on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Podbean. And you can follow us on Twitter at surviving underscore pod, where we live tweet the new episode every Sunday night. Thank you so much to you, our fellow survivors out there. You're not alone, and we'll all get through this together. Stay tuned, share with friends. See you next week. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.